Hello, everyone. Just really happy to be here with you this evening. This is Jerry Lee, standing in for the Manifester. Tonight, we are going to be speaking on a very, very interesting and very special subject. Even the name is, uh, is different and attractive. The name of this message this evening is called Skies Bigger Than Blue. Skies Bigger Than Blue. And we'll just have to stand by and have patience to hear me deliver this message to get the idea of what it's about. But it is about the creation of the universe. Now, the creation of the universe is a big, big subject. And we couldn't possibly get through that in one teaching. But we will do the best that we can, and it will be interesting. You know, we want to talk about God's creation. To create is a beautiful thing. You take something from the abstract and you rearrange it into a literal and dynamic form. New of style, new of character. It has a, a literal part in the act, and it is very stimulating of things uh, that could ever happen to be involved in the knowing and the revelation of creation. Now, the mind is a powerful antenna. It sweeps, uh, whooshes through the environment, and it picks up signals that we can not immediately recognize because they come to us in such minute forms that until they have been converted through the atomic processes of our mind, uh, we're not sure what they're saying. And a person might laugh at that because anything that you study, uh, though, about anatomy will soon show you that hearing actually transforms atoms into brain waves. And these brain waves create patterns that then through chemistry processes relate to the nerve system or nervous system of the body and uh, a related itinerary of those things that have come into the brain by the waves of those frequencies of which I have just described allow us to with this living antenna and great brain that God has given us, allows us to choose revelation of the highest kind that potentially can come into our mind. Now, we have the will to choose to listen to what we receive or the will to refuse to select what we have received. But we have a body that has a spirit And because of the spirit that we do have, that is why our mortal bodies are selected to be able to receive these things. And different people have different kinds of spirits. There's a special spirit, spirits of beings uh, and higher orders, and beings of higher orders uh, are in our bodies now. Of course, as great as the brain is, it is limited by mental capacities and by the functions of mental capacities. Paul makes it clear there are two kinds of minds, or two kinds of orders, I should say, in man. The order one of which is a spiritual nature, and the order two, which is of a physical nature. The human race can get caught up with a thought. Like in a parable, we could say, one day perhaps someone is walking down the road, and walking under the trees and whistling, and suddenly out of just nowhere, there is energized in their mentality, a thought wave, and when converted into chemical processes of their mind, 
And as their mind comes into the consciousness of that thought, they instinctively know that there is in their hand, if they can but understand it, keys to unlock a new door, a new door that they have never been through before. And when they think on that idea, they get caught up with it, raptured with it. And some people become obsessed with it, possessed of those ideas um, to where they lose their appetite. The world around them uh, sort of drifts because that all-important moment is like the time of birth. Everything else is set aside. The moment to bring forth has come. There is nothing else that can replace it. These thoughts are like bursts, like the bursts of creation. And that's B-U-R-S-T-S, something that bursts. Uh, these thoughts are like um, crystallizations of deep impressions. The mind begins to think, and the mind starts processing and reaching out, mentalizing. And the antennas are buzzing and sending out signals and receiving signals. So these um, streamlined circuits that are funneled into our mind and get connected to the chemical processes of changing that data to human intellectual perceptions are of the nature that they can become mentalized and then visualized by us humans into concepts. I find those ideas just exciting and challenging. I'm sure that there would be people that if they had any inclination of the message that we are speaking tonight, they would be willing to travel 10,000 miles or walk a 100 of those miles to be in, within hearing of this, of this message. If they only knew where such a message would be preached and how they could connect to it. It is so important to understand there are people out there reaching out. They are hearing. They are searching for something that they feel down in their abdomen that tells them that there is a truth they must find. In the past, when God began to show us the Soundtron circuits, the Soundtron being the smallest particle, so to speak, that exists in the atom, that even to this day has not yet been discovered by the scientists of our time, God began to show it first to God's destinata. And God has shown us that these Soundtrons, when strummed to parallel motion, produce atomic rhythm that creates circuits and that these circuits are the very circuits that the angels travel in. They are physical circuits, and there is no doubt that they allow a very particular kind of, of vehicle that can travel at uh, faster than the speed of light. You need to understand how great the distances, uh, how vast the distances are from one particular planet to another planet as it is spread out in the universe, or from one star to another star. And just think of this, if God traveled around at the speed of light, you would be dead by the time he made it back to see you again. Also, if the angels traveled that way, even if they were ageless, it wouldn't do you any good because you are not ageless in the stage you are in. And by the time they got back around to reveal themselves, you know, you would have passed on. So we have to really have an understanding if we're going to believe in angels, if we're going to believe in God speaking to us, you know, how does this sound travel? How does this vision travel? Of which the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. So we need to know there has to be something that is faster than the speed of sound, that is faster than the speed of light, that can get messages to us 
that are received in a way that exceeds what scientists are basically figuring uh, is the speed limit in the universe. I don't think, in fact, I'm positive that the revelation will take us much beyond all of that. In the evidence, uh, the Bible says, of things not seen, you know, were the very actions that the elders obtained a good report by. For it says, the things which are not seen were not made of things which do appear. Well, there were people who did not see what the answers were. They did not understand the solution. Uh, but they just believed, and they knew there had to be something. And just by having that kind of faith, they were able to do exploits for God. They were able to achieve great endeavors that the common person didn't obtain because the common person couldn't visualize, couldn't see in front of him the solution or the answer. So sometimes, in fact, quite often, even though we can't visualize all the solutions in front of us, we have to believe that they are out there and that if we draw upon them, that they will come to us. I thought you might find it interesting for me to share from the Peace Bible uh, Manifest Book of Revelations a few scriptures because they're quite outstanding. And from the MIV, the scripture in Revelations 1.15, and we're going to read just a few of them, is worded this way. And his feet were as a symbol of holy feet, shining as brass, because they had walked through the fires of trial. When he spoke, everything of flesh in me went through silence, and urgent to hear his voice. He spoke in tongues of every tongue of the world. He spoke in angel tongues, and the sound of his voice was as a sound of many living waters, which no mortal like this ever spake before. Revelations 1.16 He stood like a growing tower, stretching from earth to the cosmos. He reached out upward, and stars of the cosmos personified, becoming angels. His hand, the symbol of ministry, his mouth, the symbol of words of life. Then passing from his innermost being, out through his mouth was a two-edged sword, the symbol of the forces of the contra over which he had power. A sun star shining in full strength was the symbol of his countenance of love and mercy. Revelations 1.17 And I saw the majesty and the glory of the Lord's stature, and I was drained of all self-ambitions. Then the Lord put Yah's right hand on my head and said, Fear not, I am Alpha One and Omega One. Revelations 1.18 I am the Lord, I have passed through Eden, and I have passed through the valley of the shadow of death. I have proxied death for you, and now I will proxy perpetual life for you. I have the keys of the root and the offspring of David, which is to say the keys to the hell and death of the human Tartaru. Wow, that's pretty exciting, is it not? That's very exciting. Okay, now how do we get such a title <laughs> as skies bigger than blue? Well, the way I get titles and messages is they just suddenly come to me, just from out of the blue. <laughs> and um, if that rhymes or poems or ties in interestingly to you with the skies bigger than blue, that's fine. Okay, I have a lot of interesting scriptures to share with you. 
And I think you'll be excited when you begin to go through these scriptures with me. And from these scriptures, we're going to go into some, you know, scientific things. I'll try not to be too heavy. I don't want to overload your brain. But if I just preach everything, everything that everyone else is preaching, and I just reiterate the same messages at third grade level, fourth grade level, or second grade level, you'll, you'll be ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So people that want to get ahead, they have to focus. They have to believe that they need to advance. And the Bible teaches us that. The Bible says, uh, laying aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Let us go on to perfection. And it names in that scripture some of the most outstanding doctrines. The laying on of hands, the baptisms, you know, it, the, the resurrection from the dead, on and on and on. And it says, you know, you're not throwing those away. You're not destroying them. But you are um, going beyond them. There is a time in a person's life that, you know, you need to reach out. And when you reach out, these are the beautiful kind of things that happen. And so that's what we're wanting to share tonight, you know. Okay, we're going to share with you some scriptures. And we're going to start off here because, you know, we're talking about the skies bigger than blue. So why don't we begin in the book of Genesis, and we'll be looking at chapter 1. And in chapter 1 and verses 7 through 8, it says, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Now this firmament was called heaven. So we're starting here on the planet Earth, and the Bible's talking about God making the firmament and dividing the waters under the heaven, from the waters above the heavens. Now, interestingly, if we were looking at that literally, of course, we could say it's the rain clouds that hold water that are above, and it's the seas and the oceans that hold water beneath. But if we're referring to it like in the 17th chapter in the 15th verse of Revelation, where waters represent people, then we have an appliance of truth that is coordinated throughout the Bible where it speaks of beings and angels and life, even human life, living above the firmament, living in another kind of sky, much bigger than the sky that is our firmament, that is our blue sky of the earth. And so we're going to be talking about skies bigger than the blue the blue of this earth, which is which is represented by the waters under the firmament or under the sky. And that is a blue sky, but it's not the biggest of the skies that we're going to be talking about because as we get into this revelation, that will be very extensive and very interesting. It is a journey, and it is a voyage, and your mind is going to be challenged, and your ideologies are, are going to grow like trees, And uh, that mustard seed that is such a small start is going to transform into a tree big enough for birds to nest in. And it'll be large enough to give you shade from the hot sun. So it's an exciting, gorgeous, and absolutely beautiful time. Now, there is a scripture that is just so absolutely prevalent 
and powerful and revelatory. And it is such a connector scripture between things that are on earth and and things that are in the heavens. So if you would turn with me to Ephesians, the third chapter, and let me read to you by the scriptures, by the Holy Spirit revelation of what the really intent of God is about human beings having an understanding about these skies that are bigger than blue. In the, as I said, third chapter of Ephesians, in the ninth verse, it says, and, and then with my special way of pronouncing synecdoche, which I just my favorite way to say it. I know that there's a correct way, but I have a, a knack of choosing words and accentuating them for reasons which I could, you know, spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes preaching on. But we'll put that little and in there and understand that there's a lot of potential there, you know, to, to add many, many other things uh, to the understanding of the verse. To make all men, now when in the English, because of the translation from the Greek, and even this also happens in the Hebrew, a lot of times verbs and pronouns and, and nouns have to be modified with the English um, signing in order for you really to get the full aspect of what it's meaning. So here we, we have one of the limitations in the translations to make all men. So if you were just to be real technical, like you've got a lot of technical crafts out there and say, well, that's what it says. It's just men. It doesn't include women. It doesn't include my wife. And it doesn't include my daughters. It just includes men. And so if there's anyone out there that you are into that kind of a trap, you might as well go down to the store and buy 10,000 mouse traps and put that into your room and live with them for the rest of the days of your life just to remind you of how trapped you are. Because that is how trapped you are in your mind. And it's a mouse mentality. You want to get out of that mouse mentality and you want to move into a spiritual and literal wave that is going to usher you into the truth. And when you get into that truth, you are going to be changed from the creature you are. So when it's talking about and to make all men, that includes men and ladies. Like you've got man and you've got woe man. It's both of them, okay? And the thing is, everyone in the human race to make all humans see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, there is a fellowship, and there is a mystery. And it isn't that we just say, well, you know, we don't know about that, but in the sweet by and by, we'll know. And by saying in the sweet by and by, you'll know, you're really saying, I'll know this after I die, and when I go to the other world. But you don't really know that you'll know that after you die, because you don't really have any guarantee where you're headed, unless you get your head out of the bag, and you start really breathing enough air into your lungs uh, to really get accelerated. And that's where we want to take you today. So don't get all squeezed into the mind with passions of uh, you're afraid someone's going to take you uh, off the course, you know, of where you're headed. We're not here to bring you into a, a church group. We're not here to bring you into a different doctrine. We're not here to get you to join a membership, to have you make any pledges. We're just here to preach what we feel God has given to us. And if you receive this, that's wonderful. If you don't receive it, that doesn't change our love for you. That doesn't change any of that because you have the right, according to the Bible, and the Bible says this, let every person work out their own salvation 
with fear and trembling. And I always change that word fear because it's like an old word in the Bible, like God is terrible. And actually, the word at that time, terrible, actually meant wonderful. God is wonderful. So you have to update things. And a lot of the new versions have done that. And a person say, well, why don't you go to those new versions? Because there is so much still retained in the old King James that has a beauty of language, that has some special insights that I believe have been missed by translators of the new versions that I just stick with this old King James version and I love it, you know. But I understand that there are words for our benefit in the time that we live that have to be modified. So then there is a fellowship and in this sense uh, fellow doesn't just mean man. That is talking about, you know, a communionship that includes men and women and all the human race. And so as we think about this and we get this into our bloodstream and our mind is really uh, tasting some of that uh, rich blood that's cruising through our all of our um, various uh, hemispheres and through our corpus callosum network and passing through the whole mental processes of the neural network across the synapses and, and all of those interconnecting things in the brain, we've got to put it together. There is a fellowship. What's it talking? about. And then that fellowship is connected to a mystery. What is it talking about? So we want to bid you today. We want to bid you to be wooed by wisdom because there is a wooing of the Holy Spirit calling you to the pillars of wisdom and wanting to reveal to you substantial things that have both a spiritual value and intellectual value. And you are capable of being able to be cognizant of all these things. And so just disarm yourself of all of those self-protective factors that you have put around about you that say that you can't do it, that it's too great for you, that you're not smart enough, that you don't have enough time, that you're afraid. Disarm yourself of all of that kind of conjunctive junk because it is just a terrorist tactic of your own human mind that is dealing in fear. And that's what we want to do for you today is deliver you from fear by revealing to you these incredible sensational attributes of God that are interwoven into the whole fabric and matrix of the everything of this universe. So we're going to get into these things of fellowship, but let's go on. And to make all the human race see what is the communionship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. Now, you don't have to feel like, well, how could this person be coming up with this revelation? Why would this person know something that all the preachers that have lived until now, since Jesus Christ, have not known? How could anybody have that kind of knowledge? How could that be right? Paul said that even in his day, that people still had the same veil over them that they had in the days of Moses, which prevented them from being able to have a clarity of the truth. And he beautifully wrote in poetic style about, you know, the glass darkly. 
and how that people could not see through the glass darkly. But there was the hope of the day, of the time, of that moment of the divine supposition in the oracle in which there would be this revealing and this opening into which people would begin to be able to see these things that they had not seen because their eyes had become withholden by the concept and by the actual presence of this mental veil that stopped them from being able to see clearly what the truth was. And so that has been going on for ages of time. But, you know, there finally does have to come a time when the manifestation of truth, which manifest means to bring to light, when finally it is brought to light. Now, Jesus said, you will do greater works than I have done. You know, we don't expect to go around here and be competitive to Jesus Christ and be able to raise more dead than he did, heal more blind people than he did, heal more deaf people than he did, heal more crippled people than he did. But I think that the point of relevance that he was really referring to is in the book of the Gospel of John, it says that, you know, Jesus' light and his being and his truth and his unction shone in the world, but it shone into the darkness and the Darkness could not, could not and would not comprehend the incredible words of truth that he was giving. And so he understood that the times and the development of the mind and the development of the passions and the development of the characterizations of the human being to the levels of their various vernacular and human intellectual areas and spiritual areas of mentality just had not arrived. And don't get the idea that we have arrived to the age of Eden or the age of Iron, you know, because I think that right now at this time that we are still in a paganistic age, that people are still very beastly and animal. But there is, you know, a cropping up just like in a flower garden where you get some really refreshments when you see certain flowers that you never noticed before and they're new and they're beautiful and they're fresh and they're different and they suddenly pop up spontaneously in the garden and you know that they are distinct and that is happening on the earth today with a good number of charismatic individuals who are intent on finding and knowing this truth and becoming destinatus. So um, let's go on here to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid. So it is time to take that skirt off, to remove that veil. And it's been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, now get this, hang into this, get this, open the channels of your mind, to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, and the Greek word for church just simply means the gathering of people, the manifold wisdom of God. It is the intent. It is the will. It is the plan. It is the divine mission of God for God's people to understand that we are going to be dealing on a level that is a principality level. And when the principality is mentioned, that also includes princes, because those two words are very related. And a prince is an archangel. They are the highest of all the angels of the host. 
And so we're talking about moving up there in a very high level of sequence and a very high level of communication and of knowledge. And this is not only principalities, but it's powers. And I wish I had the time today to um, denote for you the important separation and difference of just principalities between powers. But let me just simply say it this way, that the principality is not script of power. And the hierarchy, as that person is reached of an elevated level of mental perception, has an increased capability of power that goes along with that station and that uh, naming of who that person is in his governorship of having achieved a place of respectability and a place of entitlement. And so it says, to the intent that now, not tomorrow, not next week, it's a now for anyone, even if it was a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, if you were able to cross over the bow of darkness, if you were able to get around the black stone of separation, that now could be for you. It could be for you then. And it's just the same way today. This now could be for you now if you can receive it now. If you can't receive it now, then it's in the future. Maybe not in this life at all for you, but maybe in the generations and re-generations of the future. And so, to the intent that now and to the principalities and the powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. So the beauty of this, the sensationalism of this, the treat, the tastiness, the morsel, the flower, the honey and the rock, the glory unto the glory, the peace unto the peace, all is available for you in this promise of access and in this revelation of knowledge that this is tied in according according to the eternal purpose. When we talk about eternal justification, it is Bible stuff. It is Bible terminology. And when we talk about this eternal purpose, it is Bible stuff that is Bible determination and has been given in the word here so that people would be able to be lifted up and and taken out of the drag holes of darkness and the pits of ignorance. So now you are armed with this word. You know that it is the will of God and the intent of God to take you and connect you with heavenly places, to open up the hidden things to open up the mysteries, and to bring you into a communion of mind with other people who are coming into that same communion. You are being called to be bold to have this access, to be bold to have this confidence, and to be bold to have the faith, because that is how you are going to be able to walk across Jordan on the top of the water instead of down in the muck of it. Okay, now, that was Ephesians. 9, and we read through the 12th verse. Now, we're not done with Ephesians, so we've got to skip down here and read something else because it sort of gets into a lot of interesting, connected thoughts with this message today. But let's just look at the, the character of the Word 
and how the language is um, modeled. The language is modeled in such a way that it is given a character about people being put together in a fellowship, people being put together in a communion. And we see that in the 15th verse, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now you have a parallel. You have the parallel of that which is on earth to the parallel of that which is in heaven both of them being family, the parallel of that which is in heaven to the parallel of that which is on earth. These are parallel. There is almost an atomic entanglement, so to speak. And it is, uh, you know, what buzz and boobied some of the minds of the scientists when they begin to discover these ghosts that were connected to some of the quantum configurations as they begin to uh, dig deeper in the potentialities of relativity. And it is a grand, rich moment for you to be listening with your ears to this message right now. It is a grand, rich moment for you to sail on and develop wings and develop a voice of the many living waters. So it is a time in which Christ is wanting to dwell in your hearts. And the 17th verse, it says, by faith. And he wants you to become rooted and grounded in love. Now, this whole declaration, this whole sensational uh, manifest is appropriated in a very rich dressing in the 16th verse. Because after it talks about the connection of this revelation to the whole family of God and parallels it between those in heaven and those on earth, he says that the desire is to grant you according to the riches of God's glory, that it would strengthen you with God's spirit, strengthen you in your inner man, which is your inner spirit. So now, understanding that, it says that may Christ dwell in your hearts by faith and you being rooted and grounded. Now, that rooted and grounded, I could speak on that for a whole service. I could speak just on those two words for two hours easily, and but I'm not going to do it today because I have so much. I have such a list. It's, it's uh, you know, it, it needs to be put on a special decorative uh, declaration and nailed on all the churches in the world and all the synagogues in the world and all the places of worship in the world because it's to every human being. And this rooted and grounded means that to be rooted, you know, Jesus put it this way. The Bible says that Jesus was the root and the offspring of David. The root and the offspring. He, he goes all the way back to David and before David. But, but especially in the human anatomy sense, we gather some extra sensory perception when we look at this and take it from the root going back to Adam and all the way through David. And so in being rooted, there's something really important to morphologically, philosophically have a mind of being able to be connected through that stream of all of the potential human life that we have been connected with, either through the bloodstream of being relative, of being related, or actually having lived in regenerations before. And so to understand that is not just these ideas that some of the preachers try to be cool and preach about, that you just got to, you know, be deep in the Word of God. Yes, you need to be deep in the Word of God, too. You need to have root there, too. But it's a lot greater than that, as I gave you the example of it in the Scripture referring to Jesus Christ. And then to be grounded in love, 
It's the basis of what the manifest revelation is. We believe that love is not even understood, that we think of the principal aspect of love in the, you know, charismatic sense in which people are so dynamic about their physical affections. But, you know, the love of God is an energy itself. It is a building material itself. It is capable of creation. It is capable of tremendous power and empowerment. And it is a pure energy, not 90% pure or 95 or 99% pure. It is a 100% pure energy. And it is so pure that were it to be exposed on earth because of this particular mix of what it is, not mixed in the sense of all kinds of different properties being put together, but mixed in the sense of its familyhood of all those that are involved in the communion of it, that it is so powerful that it would dissolve any person who was not ready to re- to receive it, because it is very, very much lit and torched by syntonic fire, which can be very, very good, but it can also be very, very serious if a person is not ready to be able to understand it and receive it. And the Bible speaks that way of the communion, you know, like uh, it talks about if you take the communion unworthily, that it can bring damnation and even death and sickness to you. And so I'm not out of line when I'm preaching this. I'm actually preaching the Word of God, right, what the Bible says in its clarifications. So this being grounded is, you know, you've got to know these facts. Jesus said, as to the abomination that make it desolate that was spoken of by the prophet Daniel, he said, you need to get into that. You need to dig into that. He said, let every person that reads that understand what it is saying. God wants us to not just read over something and beyond it and past it and leave it there like a little lump that we haven't been made into a patty to eat, but just leave it there like something that we're going to leave to deteriorate and rot and be forgotten. Absolutely not. Okay, now hang and hold and get this for a swallowing group of thoughts. Verse 18. May be able, grounded in love, there are different levels, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Now, it seems like there's something extra here, doesn't it? Because we seem to be given four dimensions instead of three. Well, that's because way before Einstein, (laughs) way before some of these scientists that were coming up with the possibility that, that in its own way that time was another dimension, that was already being shown here. So when we were talking about length, length, you know, was like travel in space, you might say, from one point to another point, and that becoming or showing it to be a dimension of time. And so you have the dimension of time here, and then you have three other dimensions. And so you have the three dimensions being described as breadth and depth and height, and then you have the fourth dimension, which is length. And that's in the Bible. The Bible has revealed that. And then it closes by saying, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You already have the power that will work in you. And it is already capable of allowing you to ask beyond what you can even think to ask. 
The Bible says that's why the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost can be available to you so that it can actually pray for you in unknown tongues to God in ways that you don't know how to pray. You don't even know how to think to pray like that. And so it's already potentially in you because every person in the world already has the kingdom of God within. And in John it says every person in the world is born with that light. Okay, so much for Ephesians. Wow, we have got to move on. But that 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 is just interesting. Now we still are wanting to accentuate this thing about skies bigger than blue. We just need to know where we're going with that. So why don't we then move to um, Isaiah 40? Isaiah 40. So if you will move with me to Isaiah 40, let's see what we've got there. Okay, in the book of Isaiah 40, and we will begin with the uh, 21st verse. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Well, now, come on. Isaiah wasn't born at the beginning of when... Adam, the first soul man, was created. Or at the beginning, when, as it explains it in Proverbs, before the earth was formed, before the mountains were created. How could the Bible, or how could the prophecies of Isaiah expect you to know anything about the beginning if you were just living in the days of Isaiah in that limited life period of 70 to 80 years? There's a story there, isn't there? A big story and a deep one. Have you not known? That's what I'm asking you today. Have you not known some of these things I'm telling you and that I'm going to tell you? Have you not heard them? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Is there not already a message inside of you that is invisible, that is hidden, that is wrapped up, that it could be loosened so that you could hear this message and you could confirm this word in you and it could become alive and become a part of everything that you need to put together that is real life and real truth? Absolutely. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Is this just playing a game with you and mocking? I don't think so, because the Bible talks about a person in the New Testament who fell up who did not have a lot of guile and how attractive that was to God. So I don't think God's going to turn around and prophesy and speak through people and use guile like you just sort of tantalizing. So there's a real truth here, something hidden, something beautiful, something incredibly important that is a message for you that there is within you a power of information, a power and a root of information that is so great, so extensive, that it would be enough to flame you from glory to glory and from faith to faith and from word of truth to word of truth and from sensation to sensation. And you'd be able to start walking on diamonds and only feel glory. You'd be able to start seeing through your eyes such crystallizations of beauty that you couldn't help but be changed by moment, by day, by week, and by month. So, haven't you understood from the foundations of the earth? Ah, Weren't you back there then? Well, of course, in Job 38, it says... Where were you when the morning stars sung together for joy? Where were you before the foundations of the world? It's a question of the Bible. It's a question of the ages. In the 22nd verse, it says, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, this was written before America Vespucius 
sailed across the seas, before the Chinese sailed across the seas, before Columbus sailed across the seas and found what they called the New Worlds. This is written when people were still thinking that the earth was flat and had four corners. This was written by a great prophet when science was very minimal, geology was very minimal, conceptuality was very minimal. But God was speaking it, just like he already spoke of that fourth dimension. He was speaking it and said, you know, earth has a circle to it. It's an incredible revelation. Here's another incredible revelation. He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Now you're going to see in a little bit the incredibility of this scripture, how vast it is, how emphatic of truth, how determined of oracleism. You're going to see it. Because once you hear this word, it goes into you and starts atomizing into your hemispheres. It's leaving deposits of real powerful word. And if you don't receive it now, it's going to be coming back to your mind and back to your memory at some time. I want to read this part again. You know, the circle of the earth, yes, but of God that stretches out the heavens. Not heaven. Heavens. The cosmos, the universe, as a curtain, and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. I want you to understand something about this creation, ladies and gentlemen. And here's where our connection will come from, the sky is bigger than blue. But I want you to understand that there is imposed, and there is insisted, in fact, insisted, an implied reality that there was a time in which the whole universe, the whole cosmos, was in density. And we call it ultra-density. And how do we know that? Because it's implied here. Because if you took something and you stretched it, that implies that before you stretched it, it was a much less extent. And that's true with the rubber band or true with anything that you stretch. Now, when you're talking about the cosmos, the whole concept of how the cosmos handles stretching is quite the revelation, which is not a real known and popular thing with the scientists of today, uh, although they are verging around the edge of it. So here we go. We've got this stretching taking place, and the heavens are being stretched. Wow. And that stretched from what? Stretched from an ultra density, from a cosmic egg, a cosmic scroll, and stretched out. But we want to talk about what is it that would initiate a cosmic egg, a cosmic scroll, an ultra density to suddenly stretch out? We'll be talking about that because the potential of knowing this is right here, right now. And so, okay, here we go. God is verifying uh, this idea. Now, someone says, does that verify the Big Bang Theory? Well, it verifies a lot about the Big Bang Theory. Yes, but it doesn't really verify the everything of it. Like, for instance, I'm quite distilled with some of the ideas that have to do with the Big Bang Theory. I think that as we get into the revelation of that, 
you will see that there is a special process in which this stretching out is involved in how it took place. But let's look at something, because there are revelations in the Bible to verify all these things. Okay, he stretches out the heavens as a curtain. Well, what does he mean by that? Do you look up in the heavens and see curtains? What does that mean? Heavens as a curtain. And he spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. So, have you seen any tents up there when you're looking up into the blue firmament lately? Are you people that are using some of the new telescopes and the Hubble telescope, have you seen any tents? I don't think so. But believe me, there is an incredible revelation about this. Now, let's get this down in your brain so when we leave here, you remember this verse. First off, this is in Isaiah, and it's in chapter 40. And uh, I started reading it from verse 21. And, you know, I read that through verse 22. So don't forget that. Remember about the heavens, that they stretched out the heavens. Remember about as a curtain, stretched them out as a curtain, and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. Don't forget that. Okay, because we're going to go into an amazing scripture back in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. So, here we go. Turn with me to the 26th chapter of Exodus. Okay? And just be full of unstitching. Chapter 26, verse 1. Now, what I'm going to read you is six verses. And what this is describing is the making of a tent tabernacle. So listen to this. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen and blue, blue, skies bigger than blue. Let's read it again. Moreover. There's so many of you, ladies and gentlemen, that need to get into that word and swim into it. You need more to get you over. You need more Word of God, more teachings of God, more Holy Spirit, more prayer, more determination, more honesty. You get into that moreover, you'll be ready to start building the temple, the tabernacle, because one was a superimposition of the other. Now, thou shalt make the tabernacle with tin curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet. These skies that I'm getting ready to talk about are not just the blue skies under the firmament of the planet Earth. This is talking about some skies bigger than just blue. They're not just blue. They've got purple. They've got scarlet. And that's not all that they've got. It says, with cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. Although these are physical things, they're involving symbolism of literal things. The cherubims are a group of angels, just like there are the seraphims and the ophanims. And there be many other kinds of groups of angels. So now, in this moreover of making this tabernacle, we're getting into these curtains, of which God said, he stretched out the heavens as curtains. And he describes the whole thing that 
It ends up like being a place of a tent. Because he is referring back to this very revelation here in the 26th chapter of Exodus, of which God spoke to Moses and spoke to David and spoke to other men of God and said, See to it that when you do this work, when you make and create this thing, that you do it exactly as the pattern that was given to you in the mount. Don't build this any other way. The revelation I gave to you, the pattern I gave to you, you do it that way and no other way. Build it with the colors. Build it with the weights. Build it with the lengths and the widths and the depths. Build it exactly according because why? Because those were symbolic so that the very patterns that was given to us on earth were patterns and revelations of heavenly things, of the very universe itself. And here we have the importance of it accentuated with these drawing of the cherubims of a very cunning nature that was to be done. And the length of one curtain shall be eight and twenty cubics, and the breadth of one curtain four cubics, and every one of the curtains shall have one measure. Yeah, if I had the time, oh, if I had the time, I'd like to break down all of these measurements and determinations and descriptions. But if I do this, I'm going to miss a big part of this message. I just got to move on. And verse 3, the five curtains shall be coupled together, one to another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled one to another. And thou shalt make loops, loops of blue. Now, don't forget that word loops. I'm going to Throw in some scientific stuff on that. Upon the edge of the one curtain from the sleeve edge in the coupling. And likewise shalt thou make it in the uttermost edge to another curtain in the coupling of the second. Fifty loops shalt thou make in the one curtain, and fifty loops shalt thou make in the edge of the other curtain. That is the coupling of the second, that the loops may take hold one of the other, which accumulatively then gives you 100 loops, which is the number of the hundredfold. And thou shalt make 50 tatches of gold and couple the curtains together with the tatches, and it shall be one tabernacle. This whole revelation is about a tabernacle, but it's about a whole lot more than that. It's a whole lot more than that. It's about skies bigger than blue. It's about the universe. And let's just take a moment here to talk about this. Let's think about these loops. Let's take a minute to understand a few scientific things. We are living in a time of scientific revolution. But I'm going to tell you this, that in this manifest station of insight, we have come into a revolution of new sciences that include new mathematics, that include new understandings of how the universe was made. Humans often find it very incompatible to their mental comfort to accept any truth that displaces the concepts they have considered a part of their faith. Concepts that have been woven throughout the membranes of their brain as if a steel thread of fact. But I want to tell you something, that just because people have become so dense of mind with these ideas doesn't make them right, doesn't make them correct. And God is moving by His Spirit on the earth and on this planet and moving throughout the blue skies with His Word and His language. 
to show to us what the truth is. To have us understand that when it talked about that there's going to be the stretching out of this earth, that we understand by that there is consigned a fact that we cannot deny. A fact that we cannot deny that this is an insisting implant of an implied reality. That there is a replied fact that there was a density, an ultra-density, from which the stretching out of this material took place. We must not let this thing in the brain that finds it such a mental discovered to accept the truth because it displaces your concepts and you feel it breaks your faith. Throw that out. Throw that into the garbage can and open up your mind and come on in to this Ark of the Covenant and start to see how powerful the fire origin of this is. I mean, you've got over 60 trillion cells in your human body. That's a lot of cells. No wonder you rebel and have problems sometimes with your body. There's a lot of individual differentiation that you have to deal with, and it all needs to be functioning in one whole order. And it could function that way if you just get all the confusion out of the body. Now, we want to talk about these loops, but first let's talk a little bit about the density. Now, there are different orders of densities. We want to propose to you that when an ultra-density increases to over one million particles per square inch, that a perturbation occurs that causes a releasing of what we call the Sinton Waves Resonance. And it is from those Sinton Waves uh, of Resonance that there is created this stretching from out of the ultra-densities, which then initiates the release of densities by spaces and interstitial type of separations. We could call it a gamma ray density. We wouldn't want to think of the gamma rays that come from a supernova star or some of the special kinds of stars that become gravitated into themselves because this density is far greater than that. We would be looking at a much more minor kind of density, nothing anywhere near the million particles per square inch that we are talking about that creates this beginning density. But this loosening of the gamma rays is the very action that creates a fusion of the gamma and the centon resonance, which together beget what we call the nuclear creation of hydrogen and uh, helium actions, possibly with a, a little bit of other traces of minerals thrown in. So, as we begin to understand then, we are saying that this ultra-density experiences a shift when the syntonic resonance wave begins to be released from it due to this super infold of density that reaches the point of one million particles per square inch. And the folds begin to unfold, and this begins the very act of the stretching out of the universe. And it is so powerful that even within the 
aspect of its self-capable gravity, uh, many of these effects are happening at such an acceleration and such an extent that they override gravity. And that is a very important thing. So we are able to bring you then to an intersection, an intersection between the quantum or microscopic world and the macroscopic world. We are able to bring you by this stretching into a horizontal stretching by operators that are able to overcome even non-normative formats. We are able to bring you into an action that is capable of shaping and capable of entering into uh, images. And in some ways, there are little teeny parallels to the anatomy of the neurobiology of the brain, especially as we deal with morphological neural science that has to do about neurons. We are in a new frontier, a new frontier that is so incredible because if you take the number E and you allow its true value, then it is a number well-known and understood that never ends. So taking E and giving it a complementary identification number, Y then equals 1 slash X. And when you stretch 1 to E, which is exactly one exponential function, you are stretching the subject from 1 to approximately 2.75. And that is the gain of stretch that you are getting by one exponential action. And when this becomes extended in characters and operations, this begins to allow extra spacing so that the ultimate density begins to, although be in the major element, begins to take on this interstitching and this spacing that is caused by the stretching and eventually allows a rise to the hydrogen and heliums that are the source for all other elements, especially when you throw in a tab of lithium and some of the other trace minerals. And so then are eventually created the stars, which become chemical uh, reaction factories, and they become very involved with H2 processes, H particles of charge plus one and charge plus minus one. These all belong to an intergating type of systems that are uh, absolutely sensational in making the universe be what the universe is and continuing in shifts in the nuclear magnetic resonant factors. It is an interesting world that God has put us in. It is an interesting time that God has brought us to. God has made, for our understanding, we call it three dimensions, but if we throw in time, we call it four. And we have matter and we have antimatter. But when we are dealing with syntonic amtricity, we are dealing with indifference at zero. And as we are dealing with indifference at zero, that means that it is neither matter nor antimatter but it has the capability at any time of being able to become of a nature that it can move in a matter field or move in an antimatter field. And so this syntonic amtricity with this indifference at zero is closer to what you could call neutronic, but it is not 
just atomic. It is beyond that. And how does this happen? Well, before I get into that, let me get back to this Exodus scripture. But before I read the Exodus scripture, let me talk about the accounting that God does. Now, I don't think I have time to turn to it. Maybe I'll come back to it. But in Psalms 22:30, it talks about God's accounting, that there's a special way that God accounts. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. His concepts are not our concepts. And his way of accounting things are different from how we account it. So we should suspect that as we look upon the universe and try to be logic, that there are revelations. Like in the manifest, we have the Trit revelation. We have the Latolution revelation. We have the logistical rhythmatics revelation. And we can go on and on and on of all these incredible revelations that have to do with a new quotum type of logic, which is a special kind of math. But here, as we think about these loops that it describes of the curtains and we see how that that connects to the very stretching of the universe and it ties it into the tent which was a tabernacle tent and that was what the connection was meant to be we begin to understand that literally scientists have discovered there are cosmic loops and these loops have the prospect of being tied into infinity and of course they're involved with the radial types of velocities that become singular after a finite of time. But when that happens, then there are, uh, because of the static loops, image shifts that create dimension. And they are all tied in to the amplitude of such things that they try to describe as tensor perturbations. And then sometimes it goes the other way. And there's perturbative truncations all sometimes figured on different planes of curvature and different planes of uh, the particular dimensional aspect and angulation from which you are in relativity to. So as you get into all that information and you even begin to deal with the curvature squared, you develop figurations which are a geometry of the universe that even begin to tell about the property of dark matter and the distance ratio and the radial aspects of this whole proposition that we are talking about. Now, we have told in the manifest how that the manifest has six dimensions and a potential seven because you have three literal dimensions and then you have each one of them has a, a contra dimension, which are in the abstract configuration. And, and that gives you six, you know, because you take the three and each one of them have an encounter, which is a contra dimension, gives you six. And then if you add to that the dimension of time, that gives you seven space coordinates. And all as a result of the centronic amtricity in its indifference at zero and in its uh, tremendous capability to be involved in this synton resonance that is released and causing this whole new creative effect to happen. It's just an exciting time, ladies and gentlemen. And when you reread this in Exodus, and you read about, you know, it's in this tent, and there are these loops. It's about all these actual loops. Some of those ideas are incorporated in string theory that people like Dr. Green uh, of the uh, high office that he has in England in mathematics. There is a world here that is full of so much information that it is beyond what can imagine. I suppose 
that we should be like in Psalms 148, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his host. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, you waters that be above the heavens, toward the skies bigger than blue, the skies that are like curtains full of loops, full of all kinds of formative, stretching, imaging, and beautiful things that happen. And that when we look by a distance upon them, we see the beauty of the stars. We are enveloped in our vision with all these wonderful, wonderful things that just set us aglow inside. And the Bible talks about this in Psalms 104:2, Who covers thyself, speaking about the Lord, about God, with a light as with a garment. Oh, how that we are pleading with you today to begin to open up so that you are covered with a light of insight, with a light of manifest, with a light of knowledge, because it is the promise of God that the knowledge of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And one day, this light and understanding will be your garment. And you will be a part of that part which is a part of God who has stretched out the heavens, as it says here in Psalms 104.2, stretched out the heavens like a curtain. Wow. Wow. What a confirmation. What an intellectual insight. What a spiritual dressing that is just beyond what we can even imagine in our physical mind. We are moved. We are moved into a wonderful, wonderful time. We're getting close to bringing this to an end. Let me just throw a couple of scriptures in here real fast. Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? This is what is happening with this teaching today. Wisdom is crying. It's shouting from the rooftop. It's pleading for people to get on board this zith of understanding. She standeth in the top of high places. It's not down here in the muck and the mar where graves are, are dug. It's in the high places of your mind, the high places of your spirit. And it's standing there at the very top, by the way, in the places of the paths. Not path. You ought to underline that, because there's people out there in the strict, narrow pathways of their religiosities that don't believe that this word is in the Bible. But wisdom is there. And it's, by the way, in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, the entry of the city, at the coming in of the doors, unto you. And her voice calls to the sons and the daughters of men. What a time. What an incredible awesome, incredible revelation. One day, at the close of the universe, and one day the universe will close, but both the first domain, which is the heaven of heavens, and the universe belong to infinity. For even though the universe closes and becomes a ultimate density, 
it is still the universe in that density form. Not unlike a seed that has all the makings of what it is to be, or the potential of what it is to be. But one day, as it says here in chapter 34, verse 4, And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as a leaf falleth out from the vine, and as a falling fig from the tree. We see gravity there. We see conclusion there. We see the demise of the universe there in the sense of it being stretched out. It becomes brought together in this density again. And there will still be, above all and everlastingly eternal, the first domain. And scientists are out there looking for the clues and the final solutions. And one thing they are not considering is the first domain. Because although the first domain is not a place and does not have material conglomerate construction, it nevertheless has a gravitational effect whenever it is of a nature to presume to have that effect pronounced. And so there are things that are affected in the universe because of the presence of the first domain, which are colossal which are absolutely gigantic. And the time that we are in right now perhaps would be best described in Revelations 14 and verse 6. And there we go. There's another one of those as I pronounce it, Senekaki. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. This is a heaven that's blue. It's got purple. It's even got gold. It's a universe that is so grandeur, so full of grandeur, that it's beyond what we can mention here in this little dab of time. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people. The angels are zithing, zooming across the world, preaching the everlasting gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how many of you out there have the book that we have published about the seven thunders speak, which is the manifest chronicles before Genesis, advertised on our website. But I will tell you this, as I sort of bring this to an end and just touch on this. There is a section in here called Postludes. And it is the parable of the making of the first universe. And it covers a lot of things about the successions and the timeless infinitudes, the shinings of amtricity called the courier aureola waves. It is full of the revelation about the perturbations. It is full of the wave sequences. It is full of the seven radiant events. It is the most amazing opening and revelation of creation. It tells about the prolapse waves and about things that I didn't have the time to get into today. You don't have that book. May God help you to get it. Because it is like that wisdom out there calling. And you shouldn't just buy one. You should buy enough of these books. Buy a half a dozen. Buy a dozen. Find a way to do it. 
You're going to help the cause of getting this message out, provide operating money for us. And at the same time, you'll be getting this message out to people that if they will open to this, will love you so much for it. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. And now let me just take a few short moments of time for Gentile. This is for those people out there. I want to deal with this thing of memory. There are so many people having problems with remembering things. And they feel like they're losing their memory. And they just can't recollect like they used to. I want to tell you that all that memory is there. And believe it or not, you'd be amazed of how many things are remembered in your liver. Laugh at that if you would like. But a lot of times, I have done gentile, that means generative touch on people. One time there was a lady who was just sick, really sick. And I said to this person, I said, well, have you ever had this before? Oh, yes. So what did you do? Well, I went to a doctor. And so what did he do? Well, he put me on penicillin. And I said, do you know what the quantity was? And, uh, well, it was 500 milligrams. And I said, okay, well, then what I'll do is I will go into your liver because that story will be recorded in your liver. The, the whole pharmaceutical aspect of the penicillin and the grams and so forth. And then I will have it reiterated and put into capsules and released into your body 500 milligrams a day for 10 days. And so I did this gentile, and I had that happen. And believe me, she said she could taste the penicillin, uh, even though she was not taking any. And she was just healed like she had been before after she had been to the doctor. Now, don't think that I'm saying by this that I don't believe in doctors or nurses or hospitals. That would be totally false. They are great professional people, great institutions. Uh, they have their place. God knows how difficult it would be if we did not have them. I thank God for them. But we do have an alternate opportunity here with Gentile, and many people are being healed. So right now, I'm dealing with your memory. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the cross-desynaphysis, to the neurocentric uh, part of the memory systems, to those different kinds of memory systems, the one that is the short memory and the long memory. Begin to release hormones into the bodies of these listeners that uh, are having difficulty with remembering things. And begin to accentuate a release from the hormone fluids that are messengers into these mind realm and brain realm areas uh, to begin to deal with clearing up any blocking our inhibitors, to begin to um, providing whatever nutrients that are necessary, whatever initiation that is necessary to reiterate, to bring back the capability of the memory and to even increase it beyond what the mind or the brain had used before. Begin this process. Uh, we send this message to the pituitary, to the hypothalamus, to the thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, the sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum and the white core brain tissue of the spinal column. Uh, we send it through the core was colossum through all of the hemispheres, and we asked this to be immediately put into perspective and operation and action. We will push this with a release of some uh, serotonin into the body to be used as this uh, action uh, developer and begin this process immediately. There's any inhibitors, any blockers, any messages anti to this. They are canceled. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. A wonderful day is here, and a wonderful days are ahead. 
God bless you.